Your good and positive words can positively transform the lives of others around you. This message is the 13th in the series, Rudders and Roots. The message is entitled, Guiding and Guarding Your Mouth, Part 5. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Your words are tremendously powerful. God gave you a tremendous gift when He gave you your tongue, your mouth, your ability to communicate. And how you use your words is extremely important. The Bible says the power of life and death is in your tongue. What you speak can actually create death or create life. The Apostle James refers us to the power of our words in James chapter 3, beginning in verse number 2, down through verse number 5. It's actually been the primary passage that we've looked at together as a part of this series. I want to draw your attention to it one last time today as we look at this passage together about our words. We all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Yet if we're able to bridle the words we say, we're powerful enough to control ourselves in every way, and that means our character is mature and fully developed. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. And the same with mighty ships, though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. And so the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it carries great power. James reminds us of this little organ in our body called the tongue, and he's telling us that our tongue really determines our destiny. Just like a bit and bridle is in the horse's mouth, and you're able to direct that large animal where you want the animal to go, and just like a rudder on a ship is a very small piece of equipment, but yet it's able to turn a massive ship in the face of a big ocean. He's saying your tongue is very much like it. It's a small part of your body, but it has great power. So we're looking at the power of our words. How are we to use our words? Last weekend, we talked about the importance of discovering the boundaries that God has for us and using words that are in bounds with God, not out of bounds. We talked about a number of ways that we can get out of bounds with our words. Today, I want to talk to you about how to be inbound with your words, the kind of words that you're to use that will actually create positive things with your life. I'm going to talk to you today about how to speak life. There's one primary lesson I want us to learn today about our words. God designed you with your words, with your mouth, with your ability to communicate for one primary purpose. He's called you and me to be a blesser of other people. Your words are designed by God. You're called by God to speak words of life, speak words that are a blessing to the people around you. You're called to be a blesser. It's not just enough to avoid speaking the bad words. God wants you to speak good words. He wants you to use your mouth to bless and to help, to heal and to restore other people, to impact people in a positive way, to make a difference as believers in Jesus Christ in a very, very negative world, in a world that is filled with cursing. God wants you to be a voice of blessing, a voice that speaks good in a very bad environment. I'm going to talk to you today about some things that will help us to do this. I'm going to, first of all, share with you three ways that you're called to be a blessing, and then we'll look at some skills that are necessary to fulfill those three aspects of life, three ways that you and I can bless. The first thing that God calls you and I to do with our words that will result in being a blessing is that God called you and I to be a reconciler of other people, a reconciler of people to God. We're called to use our words to reconcile. The word reconcile means to bring back in harmony, to bring back in friendship, to bring back in relationships. When someone is reconciled, it means they've been apart from each other, but now suddenly they're back together again. Things are working in harmony. 
the old offenses are gone. The, the breakdown of the relationships have been restored. And so God wants you to use your words in a world that is torn apart by division and torn apart by strife and torn apart by all kind of negativity. God wants to use you to bring people back together again. We live in a very divisive world, do we not? A world where there's all kind of things being said back and forth and different opinions and different ideas and everybody's against one another. This group's against that group and that group's against another group and all kind of division. But God says, I want to use you and your words to be words of reconciliation. I want to use you to bring people together rather than driving people apart. Whether it be in your family or in your neighborhood or in the place where you work, God wants to use you to be a reconciler. Jesus gave a tremendous sermon when he first started his ministry. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is recorded in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And that sermon is a tremendous sermon. Some of the most significant things we learn about how Christ wants us to live is found in the Sermon on the Mount. And the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount contains what we refer to as the Beatitudes. There are eight attitudes that Jesus calls us to live by. One of those attitudes is recorded in verse number 9 of Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Jesus says, what I want my people to be is I want you to be not just not be troublemakers, but to be peacemakers. I want you to bring peace into the world. I want you to take the peace that I've given you and to distribute it among those that you interact with. I want you to reconcile, to bring peace in relationships. Not only to have peace in relationships yourself, but to bring peace, to reconcile people with one another. Not only do we need to be reconciled one to another, but people need to be reconciled to God. And you and I are witnesses in this world. Those of us who know Christ, we're given the responsibility, the mission to bring people into relationship with Christ. God has given you a voice to testify of the saving power of Jesus' blood, the saving power of Jesus' name, the saving power of Jesus' grace. God wants you to be a, testi a testimony and a witness to the world around you of what Jesus can do in a life. He wants you to use your mouth to tell of His goodness to bring people together and to reconcile people to God. See, every one of us here today, we're in this place today. And if you have a relationship with Christ, you have a relationship with Christ because someone helped you discover that relationship with Jesus. Somebody shared Christ with you. Somebody invited you to church. Someone communicated to you the gospel. You would not know the good news of Christ had there not been someone in your world that spoke up about Jesus. It might have been a mom, a dad, a grandparent. It might have been a friend at work. It might have been someone in your neighborhood. It may have been someone you just randomly met, but they shared with you their story of Jesus, and it, it had put a seed in your heart of what Christ could potentially do in your life. But someone shared the good news with you, and because you heard the good news through the voice of someone else, you came into relationship with God. You were reconciled with God because Someone shared Christ with you. And God calls each one of us to be people who speak blessing into the lives of others by sharing, yes, reconciliation, bringing divisive people back together again, being peacemakers, but also communicating the love of Christ to people who need the message of the good news of Jesus. There's a lot of bad news in our world. We need to be voices of good news, the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, the apostle Paul writes these words that apply to us. We are... We are, this is who we are, 
See, we are his identity. It represents who and what you are. We are Christ ambassadors, and God is using us to speak to you. We urge you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you, be reconciled to God. You and I must understand that we have been placed on this planet as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And that where we go, we have the opportunity of speaking on behalf of Jesus. Like an ambassador representing a country speaks on behalf of that kingdom, that country. You and I are ambassadors of Christ. We're given a voice to speak of who Jesus is. And I want to encourage you to be a bold voice for Christ. You say, how do I share my faith with other people? Let me give you two very simple ways that you can share your faith with others. When there's an opportunity to talk about Christ in your life, just simply share with other people your Jesus story. Everybody has a Jesus story. Your Jesus story may be as simple as I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Jesus did something in my life that changed me. I'm a different person from, from the point I met Christ to where I am in my life today. Jesus changed me. That's all somebody needs to hear sometimes that will help them to think that there's hope for me to find Jesus as well. Another way that you can share Christ with other people very simply is by inviting them to church. You say, well, that that doesn't seem like a very significant thing. Yes, it is. Because when you invite people to church and you bring people to church, you're bringing them into the atmosphere of the presence of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And when they come into this atmosphere, the Holy Spirit begins to work on their heart and draw them to relationship with Jesus. Some of the greatest evangelism, the greatest outreach you'll ever do is inviting someone to come to church with you. That's why we encourage you over this Easter season. It's not just some promotion thing we're doing. We want to see people meet Jesus. Amen? Amen. And that's why we encourage you this Easter season. Don't come to one of these Easter presentations by yourself. Find someone that you know in your life that doesn't know Christ or is away from Christ. and You bring them with you because many of them will come to faith. There are people sitting in this room right now that you came to faith in Jesus Christ because someone invited you to one of these presentations one year. You didn't know Jesus, but the friend brought you and you opened your heart to Christ. And now you have a relationship with him because somebody reached out to you. You and I need to recognize that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Let's make a difference in people's there's no joy. Listen, there's no joy greater other than your own salvation, no joy greater than seeing an influence that you've had in another person's life coming to faith in Jesus. Apart from your own salvation, there's no joy like seeing someone that you influence coming to relationship with Christ. And so God calls us to be reconcilers. That's why he gave you a mouth. He wants to use your mouth to bless. How? By reconciling. The second thing that God gave you a mouth for. He gave you a mouth to remove burdens from other people. God wants to use your mouth, your words, to lift the burdens of people around you. I think all of us have had situations in life where we've had gone through a tough time, a difficult circumstance, and things have really been hard in our life in some way, and, and someone came along and they just they had that right word for us, that thing that lifted the burden from us, that helped us to carry the load that we were carrying. Maybe it was not a lot that they said, maybe they only said a few words and, and they were with us, but those words, they, they, they strengthened us, they helped us in the journey that we were facing, and you and I need to be people that don't place burdens on others, but we lift burdens. Burdens from others. Burden bearers. Look at what the scripture says about this in the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verse 2. I'm reading from the message paraphrase. Stoop down. He's talking to us as believers. That is, be humble, reach out, stoop down, and reach out to those who are oppressed, that, is born, that are bearing down pressures in their life. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. Share with them, care, carry their burdens with them. Be someone that through your words, you're helping them through 
the hard times of life. Proverbs 15, 23, everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is, it, is, it is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. And God wants to bring you into situations where you will say the right thing at the right time. One of the prayers that I would encourage you to pray every day, it's a simple little prayer. You can pray it in a matter of just seconds. But if you're sincere about it, it's a tremendously powerful prayer to pray. God, today, would you lead me into conversations and help me to say the right thing at the right time? Why don't we pray that together right now? Lord, in Jesus' name, say it with me. I pray that every day you'll put me in situations to use me to say the right thing at the right time. To lift burdens from other people. See, God calls you to use your words to bear the burdens of others, to reconcile, yes, to reconcile people with one another and to break down the divisions and the strife and the disharmony and be a peacemaker, to reconcile people to God, to remove burdens from people's heart and people's lives, to help them carry their burdens. The third thing that you and I need to do with our words is to learn how to resource with our words. God gave you a mouth to be a resourcer. To resource means to to give to another person the tools or the guidance or the wisdom they need to to, to find their destiny, to find their destination. Some of you in the room today or in our Frederick campus, you're old enough to understand the days of maps. And that's not an app on your phone, okay? I'm talking about real maps, okay? The kind of maps, remember the maps that fold out, right? Have all the different folds. You fold them out. You're on a journey. You're going somewhere. You're trying to determine where you're going. You're trying to read the map. And many times when you're in unfamiliar territory, the map doesn't make any sense. And so you have to stop somewhere and go into a store, go into a service station and say, could you tell me how to get to whatever place you're trying to get to? It's always awesome when you find someone that can direct you on the journey. Well, you go down here, take a ride at the second block, go two more blocks, turn left. It'll be on your right. Thank you very much. I appreciate your words because your words just resourced me. They gave me the ability to get where I needed to go. And God wants to put you in situations where you will be a resourcer to others. Now, by the way, before you can resource anyone, you better have some resources in your life. You can't guide someone if you don't know where you're going yourself. You can't give someone wisdom if you don't have any wisdom. If you don't have wisdom, keep your mouth shut. But gaining wisdom, as you and I gain wisdom, then God says, I've given it to you, not just for you, but I want you to learn how to appropriately and lovingly share that wisdom with other people so that they can find their way on their journey. And God will put you in situations, if you'll be faithful, where God will use you and your mouth to speak wisdom to someone else that will help them to find their destiny in life. God gave you a mouth. He gave you a mouth because he wants to use you to reconcile, to bring all these divisive elements together in the environments and the relationships that you come in contact with, that you're a peacemaker. You're not a troublemaker. You're a peacemaker. And you're reconciling people to God. And you're, you're removing burdens from people by the words that you speak, not laying burdens on them, but lifting burdens from them. And you're resourcing people. There's wisdom in your life to help you to resource others. Take a look with me at Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 6. The words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush, but the words of the godly do what? Save lives. Proverbs 16, 23 says, From a wise mind comes wise speech. The words of the wise are persuasive or they are full of instruction. They have the ability to aid and add to learning. 
Colossians 3.16. Let's all read this together loud and loudly at both of our campuses. Would you read with me? Let the words of Christ and all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. Use His words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So here you see that we're to receive wisdom from God. Let the words of Christ dwell richly within us. And then we're to take His words and to teach and counsel each other. And then to take His word and allow it to help us to worship God effectively. So there's in the middle of this, there's this call to teach and counsel. To be a resourcer with our words to and for other people. Now, when it comes to speaking the right way, to using our words to be a blessing, to reconcile, to remove, and to resource, we need skill to do this. And some of you would say, Pastor, I would love to be this kind of person that is able to do those three things. I want to be that kind of person, but I don't know if I have the ability to do it. I want to take just a few moments today and share with you four skills that each of you can develop that will help you to accomplish these three things in your life. This mission that God has given us to use our words in this way. Four things that will help you to do this. First of all, to learn the language of appreciation. Thank you. (laughs) Appreciation is gratitude. It's taking a look at other people and being aware of the value they add to your life or the value they add to a situation and then speaking that over them, declaring to them, I appreciate you because appreciation builds relationship and out of relationship you can reconcile, out of relationship you can remove, out of relationship you can resource. You can't do any of those things if there's not a relationship. And so the way you build relationships with people is you appreciate someone, you communicate your appreciation. There are a lot of people that will go through not only a day, a week, a month, a year, some people will go decades and never hear one single word of appreciation from anyone. Now, if you want to be effective with your words, learn how to say thank you to people and say, I appreciate you for, and then fill in the blank specifically in terms of what you appreciate them for. You know, marriages in this place today could be turned around if husbands and wives just simply spoke words of appreciation to each other. Husband, if you went home today and said to your wife, honey, I I appreciate you for, and then you filled in the blank and communicated something you appreciated her for, I promise you, after 911 has arrived and resuscitated her from her heart attack, okay, okay, she's going to appreciate you more, okay? Because appreciation breeds appreciation, Right? Anything, I'll tell you something else. Here's another secret. Appreciation, anything you appreciate, appreciates. Anything you add appreciation to, it raises the value to you. Anything you appreciate, appreciates in your life. And everybody can be an appreciator, okay? Everybody can say thank you for something. How effective, how skilled are you in using words of appreciation? How often do you say to another person, I just want you to know, I noticed this about you, and I really appreciate this about you. This tremendous thing that happens when you and I communicate that way, it's called thanksgiving. And thanksgiving is not thanksgiving until it's given, okay? You can't think it, you have to say it, okay? You have to communicate it in some way. One of the things I love about the Apostle Paul is that as he gave us so many books of the New Testament, so many of these letters that he wrote to different churches, you will discover something about the Apostle Paul every time he writes a letter to a church. Go back and study it on your own. Every time he writes a letter, 
to one of the churches, he always expresses himself and appreciation to them. Take a look with me, if you will, at Romans chapter, chapter 1, verse 8. He's writing to the Roman believers, and he says, How I thank God through Jesus Christ for each one of you. You're hearing his appreciation? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. There's this loving appreciation that Paul is extending to the churches that he had care over. I want to take just a moment today and do something for each one of you. I want you, I don't, I don't want you to ever take for granted my appreciation of you. I am so honored and so appreciative for the opportunity of being your pastor. This coming June, my wife and I will have had the opportunity, the privilege of being your pastor for our 33rd year. We'll start our 34th year this year, okay? And I, I'm not asking for that. That's wonderful. And we celebrate, but I want you to know, I really appreciate you. I'm so, so thankful for every one of you. I'm thankful for your faithfulness. I'm thankful for your love for Christ. I'm thankful for your, your energetic worship. I'm thankful for your, your, your contribution to the church in terms of giving and serving and all the things you do to embrace the mission that God has given. We couldn't do what we do without us doing it together. I want you to know as your pastor, I appreciate you. I thank God for you every day because you're valuable in the purposes in the kingdom of God. I want you to hear from my mouth to your ears and more importantly to your heart today that you're loved and you're appreciated, okay? This is so valuable to understand. And what I hope that you will do as well that is this will become a part of your life, that you'll live a life of appreciation because when you appreciate, it opens up relationships to you. The more you appreciate, the more relationships will open. The second thing that you have to learn to do is a skill, and you can do this. The second skill is a skill of affirmation. See, appreciation is related to something specific. I appreciate you for whatever it might be. You fill in the blank a spe specific thing. Affirmation is different. Affirmation is, is, is not just appreciate. It's, it's beyond that. It's I care about you just because of you. Not what you do, but because you are who you are. Every person on the planet wants to feel that they matter. Do I matter? Am I important? Is there any value to my life? And affirmation is when you speak to another person and say, you know what? It doesn't really matter what you do. You val I'm, you're a valuable person to me. I value because you're a creation of Almighty God. And when you affirm people, that affirmation, again, builds relationship. It's a communication of love. I affirm you as a human being. I affirm you as someone that God loves and that God cares about. You're valuable to God. I affirm you. God brings affirmation to us in so many different ways. We'll look at some stories in just a moment. But the power of affirmation, let me ask you this question. What kind of love would you prefer, conditional love or unconditional love? Which is your preference, okay? If you get to choose between the two, which one do you want? Why? Because unconditional love has nothing to do with your performance. Unconditional love secures you. It's not, you're not worried, I'm gonna, am I going to be loved today? I'm not sure that I perform well enough to be loved today. No, it's, it takes all that away. Un, unconditional love secures you that you don't have to spend any time worrying about your performance because you're secure in the relationship. And people need to hear your affirmation because affirmation is a communication of unconditional love. I love you because you're valuable. I care about you because you're valuable. Joshua in the Old Testament was a man who needed some affirmation. At a very critical time in his life. Joshua had served Moses for many years. And Moses was a great man of God. You can't even imagine 
the kind of relationship that Moses had with God. I mean, Moses went up on Mount Sinai and God talked to him. Moses was there when God's finger wrote in Ten Commandments on, on tablets of stone. And Moses comes down the mountain with the very stones, that tablets that God wrote on. Moses is an incredible man of God, but there came this point when Moses' life was over, he died, and now here's Joshua who's now going to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Can you imagine how intimidating that must have been to be Joshua following Moses? I don't want to be Moses' successor. How about you? I don't want to try to fill his shoes. Here's Moses, this great man. Now I've got to fill his shoes. And so here's Joshua feeling all the insecurity. I'm not sure I can do this. I'm not sure I'll be able to make it through this. How can I handle this? How can I get the people of God into the promised land? I mean, all these enemies that are there. And God shows up on the scene after telling Joshua that Moses was dead. God shows up on the scene and says these words to Joshua. Be strong. Joshua 1, 6 and 7. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. God shows up and says, Joshua, you got this. I'm with you. You're going you're to lead them in. I'm affirming you. You're going to make it. Jesus himself learned the value, understood the value of affirmation. Jesus, we don't know a lot about Jesus' life between his birth and 30 years of age. We know about his birth, the miraculous aspect of his birth. We know something about when they went to Egypt, back to Israel again. And then we know something about him when he was 12 years of age at the temple. But other than that, we know very little about the 30, first 30 years of Jesus' life. But when he was 30, something happened. He's going to begin his earthly ministry. So he goes down into, out through the wilderness down to the Jordan River where John the Baptist is baptizing people in the Jordan River. And Jesus shows up there at the Jordan River and John sees him coming and says, that's the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus approaches John the Baptist and says, John, I want you to baptize me. And John the Baptist says, I, I think something's wrong with this picture. I think you ought to be baptizing me. Okay, Really, what should happen here? And Jesus says, no, no, I want you to baptize me. It's going to fulfill, it's the right thing to do. It's going to fulfill all righteousness, the very thing I need to do. So you baptize me, John. And so there in that moment, John the Baptist obediently baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And when Jesus came up out of the Jordan River, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended down upon him like a dove. And then God spoke from heaven. Listen to what God said in that very significant moment. And a voice from heaven, Matthew 3, 17, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. I am fully pleased with him. What is that? That is the father's affirmation of his son. He's saying, Jesus, I am with you. You're going to make it through. You're my beloved son. I am well pleased with you. Part of my prayer for you today is that you're in this place. I, I pray that you would hear the voice of your heavenly father saying, you're my son. You're my daughter. I'm pleased with you. My prayer today is that you would hear the voice of the Heavenly Father affirming you. Because if you're never affirmed, it's hard to affirm anyone else if you don't feel very affirmed yourself. But when you begin to feel the affirmation of God's love for you, then you have something to share with others. You are unconditionally loved by God. There's never a time you could ever, you could ever get outside of the love of God. God will love you. No matter whatever happens, you could never do anything that would cause God to stop loving you. Now, you might do some things that will mess up your life and cause some consequences, but God will love you consistently through it. We see that in the story of the prodigal son. This young man, 
asked his father for his inheritance, went out and wasted it, and he thought, I'm just, I'm a wreck, I've wasted my life, I'm going to go back to dad's house, and maybe he'll let me be a servant there, but I'll never be a son again. But here's this young man that comes back home, and the father runs out and meets him and throws his arms around him and gets the, the fatherly robe and puts it on his, on his shoulders and puts the ring on his finger, the signet ring of the family back on his finger again, and the sandals on his feet and kills the fatted calf, and they have an amazing party. Why? Because the father's love was consistent for his son. The father's love is consistent for you, dear son, and the father's love is consistent for you, dear daughter of God. He loves you. He's affirmed you. and He wants you to use your mouth in affirming other people. Why did God give you a mouth to be a blesser? How do you bless? By reconciling, by removing, by resourcing. How? By appreciating people, communicating appreciation, communicating affirmation. Number three, communicating encouragement. People need to be encouraged. And God wants to use you to be an encourager to other people. To encourage is to put courage in, to enable people to believe what's possible for their life. The Bible is very clear about the call to encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. You're already doing this. Learn how to do it more effectively. Make it a part of your life. Hebrews 10, 25, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of His coming back again is drawing near. Here the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, you need, to, you need to make sure that, that church is a part of your life. Don't neglect the assembling of yourself together. Why? Because you need to be encouraged, and especially more so as you see the day coming near that Christ is going to return. Dear ones, I'm going to tell you today that Jesus is coming back again. We don't know when He's coming back again, but we're nearer that day than we've ever been before. He is coming back again, and when we need the encouragement in the midst of this world, the Bible says that in the last days, perilous times will come, and in the midst of the perilous times that we see in the world around us, we need the encouragement of one another, not just the encouragement of God. I need you to encourage me, and I need to encourage you. We need to encourage each other in these perilous, challenging times in which we live. We need one another. We need the voice of encouragement. God gave you lips to encourage. And the last thing that God gave you lips for that I'll mention today is to, is to develop the skill of not just encouragement, but the skill of inspiration, the ability to inspire other people. I want to combine those two together, encouragement and inspiration just for a moment. You know that there are people that are just, just a few encouragements away from greatness. Greatness is in them. But they, they're just a few encouragements away from it. Teacher, remember this. When you have a troubled student in your class, maybe that student is just a few encouragements away from being great. Coach, when you have that, 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 that player on your team that may be giving you some trouble or not doing their best, just remember, they may be a few encouragements away from greatness. You never know what person is just a few encouragements away from greatness, a few moments of inspiration coming from someone that can lift them up. For the word inspiration means to breathe life into. It's a meaning, it's breath, breathing life in. We talk about the inspired word of God. It means the God-breathed word. God breathes his word. It is inspired by God. And when we're inspired, there's life, there's breath inside of us. Perhaps you've had a conversation with someone before that took the breath out of you. And then other conversations that put breath into you. See, every one of us, I want to use this illustration with us today, every one of us carry what we might call a, a big balloon inside of us. It's our spirit, our soul. And a balloon can be inflated or a balloon can be deflated. 
In fact, why don't you do this together with me so we all get the picture. When you're having interactions, not only with your own life, but with other people, would you just get your hands in front of you this morning? You ready? Okay, this afternoon. And a balloon. Think of that just like everybody carries this balloon inside of them. And your balloon can be inflated. Come on, help me out here. Or it can be deflated. Okay. And we've had the same problem all services. It's called coordination. Let's try it again. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think you can do this. All right. A balloon can be inflated or it can be deflated. And words can inflate your balloon or words can deflate your balloon. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Inflate, deflate. There's some people that walk around with a pocket full of pens. And they have a conversation with you. Boop. Well, they don't think it's much. Just boop, 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 boop. And then you finish the conversation. Why do I feel so bad? Because you've been hanging around with a pinhead, okay? It's, just, it's like you've been hanging around with somebody just popping all the balloons and say, yes, boom, 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 boom. Okay, little by little, just kind of take the air out of it. Some people are not so subtle. They come in with a shotgun, just shoot you one shot. You're good, okay? See, God doesn't need us going around as deflators. God wants you to be someone that inspires other people, right? You breathe life into someone and say, you know what? You can do this. You can make this. You can move forward with your life. God has a purpose and plan. Here's a breath for you. It'll keep you going. The story of a man in the Bible, in the book of Joshua chapter, excuse me, Judges chapter, chapter 6, Give you a little bit of the setting of the story. We're just about done today, so stay with me for a couple more minutes as we're wrapping up. This man lived in a time when the Israelites were under the oppression of the Midianites. Here's how it would work. The Israelites would work work, work very hard every year trying to plant their crops, and then harvest time would come. And as soon as the harvest would come, the Midianites would swoop in to the land of Israel, and they would set up camp, and they would steal all their harvest. So they would not have any fruit of their work. And so then they would go through the process again the next year. And sure enough, harvest time came. Here come the Midianites stealing the harvest again. Seven years this was happening. It got so bad that a man there by the name of Gideon decided, you know what, I've got to have some food for my family. And so he he got got him some of the harvest. And he he ran to a wine press. It was a cave. And he went in and hid in the wine press wine press the cave and he began to thresh out his wheat for his family he was in fear because he didn't want the Midianites to find him that little bit he had for his family he's he's trying to protect it and get something to sustain his family he's living in fear he's not a very inspired person he's very deflated by life and God sends an angel to this man by the name of Gideon and note the story if you will in Judges chapter 6 what happened when this angel showed up in his life and the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the oak tree at the Ophrah which belonged to Joash, the clan of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, had been threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So he's very deflated, very discouraged. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, read the rest with me. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Now, let's just stop for a moment. Okay, Here's a guy hiding in a cave, shaking in his boots, deflated, fearful, and what does God call him? What? Now, is there something not compute about that to you? Okay. Doesn't look like a mighty hero, right? He looks like a deflated, fearful, intimidated man. But here's what you've got to see. God sees things in people that we never see in ourselves, okay? God, when, you feel, when you feel at your worst, God sees a hero inside of you, okay? Are you hearing me? Okay. 
When you're at the lowest place of your life, God is able to look down and say, there's something I see in you that you can't see about yourself. So God saw something in Gideon that Gideon could not see in himself. God saw a hero in that man. He didn't feel like a hero, but God saw a hero in him. And God in that moment, he breathed some inspiration into Gideon. And you know the story. If you read the story, Gideon rises up and he begins to go against the Midianites. And God delivers Israel from the Midianites by the hand of Gideon. Why? Because in that moment, God inspired him. Okay? Just as God wants to send his inspiration to you, God wants to use you as an angel to go to other people and speak inspiration into their life. Timothy, the protege of the Apostle Paul. Paul set Timothy into the pastorship, the leadership of a church at a place called Ephesus. We know of Ephesus by the book of Ephesians in the Bible. And so Timothy had the responsibility of pastoring this significant church at Ephesus. And he felt very intimidated by the responsibility. He felt like he couldn't do it. He didn't feel very inspired. I mean, after all, who, he, he's not like the apostle Paul. Paul was this great man as well. And so he has a tremendous relationship with God. And here's Timothy. He feels very uninspired, very, very limited, very discouraged, feeling as though he can't do this job that has been assigned to him. And God write, Paul writes him a letter in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, and pins these words to a deflated young man by the name of Timothy. And Paul writes these words, for this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God. God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of intimidation or, 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 or timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Paul writes and says, Timothy, Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. I know it is in you. I see something in you. It's there. I know it's there because I laid my hands on you and I prayed for you and the Holy Spirit came inside of you. Fan into flame the gift of God that is in you because God did not give you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And there in that moment, something clicked inside of Timothy and he said, yes, whatever God calls me to do, I can do. Whatever God asks me to do, I can do. Why? Because there's an inspiration that occurs inside of him through these words of the Apostle Paul. Your words are powerful. Your words have the power of life and death. Why did God give you and I a mouth? Why did God give us the ability to communicate, to articulate? Because God wants to use you to be a blesser. He wants to use you in this negative, ugly world that we live in. He wants to use you to reconcile people. He wants to use you to remove burdens from people. He wants you to use your mouth to, to resource people. He wants to put in your mouth words of appreciation and words of affirmation, and words of encouragement and words of, of inspiration to other people because when those words flow from you, you speak life into the world around you. And I will tell you, life always conquers death. Amen? Amen. Jesus gave us that principle in his resurrection. So may God help each one of us. May our prayer be, as we pray throughout the series, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, my rock and my redeemer. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray? Lord, thank you for your word today. We're grateful that you've spoken to us. We ask, Lord, that it'll be more than just, just a message that we heard. We pray it would be just a life-changing way of thinking that you would renew our minds, Lord, and Help us to realize that in situations you place us in, that you've given us a mouth to speak life. And I pray that you'd help us to be blessers. Let us use our words to be a blessing to the people we encounter and all of our relationships. 
In Jesus' wonderful name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation. All things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. and You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.